Well, one thing that um, that was just on my heart before we get into the message this morning, and um, it's it's really complicated to you know switch over to YouTube and play a video and and switch back, and it glitches and that kind of thing. Um, but I think um, <clears throat> what I would like to do is just I, I, I'm thinking of the uh, disciples in the upper room uh, at the Last Supper. And before they left, here is 12 guys plus Jesus. Well, Judas left, so 12 with Jesus. And uh, I'm going to... I'm going to mute everybody here, get some feedback. Um, but again, uh, at, at that last supper, before they went out, before they went to the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, and they sang a hymn. Um, it's just kind of been stirring on my heart lately that we can even do this in a smaller group where there's no professional players and no professional instruments and and all that kind of thing that that we can join into uh just a little bit of of heartfelt worship uh together in song and uh with me muting everybody here this morning uh it's we we don't we don't have to try to hear everybody <laughs> trying to blend because there's a little bit of a time delay but let's just quiet our hearts before the Lord. Let's just enter into his presence. And I'm going to lead in with, with just uh, uh, two verses of amazing grace. And let's just connect our hearts together in song with the Lord this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see when we've been there. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So Lord, we are incredibly thankful and incredibly blessed, Lord that you would reach to us, sinners, wretches like us, Lord, the undeserving, 
but somehow, God, you opened our eyes and you opened our hearts to your truth. Somehow, God, we were enabled even to believe and to receive and have our hearts open, Lord, and you send your Holy Spirit into us to live in us, to guide us, to be with us, Lord. We are so, so blessed that we have your presence, that we have your, your incredible promises to us. We have your grace toward us. And we have, Lord, to look forward to someday when all of this present world is over. We have you, your presence, your unhidden uh, glory before us and all that that means and all the rest of it, God. And we thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we grab a hold of that this morning, and come back to earth, so to speak, and realize, God, that we are ambassadors of a different kingdom, uh, citizens of heaven, uh, left here, Lord, to be an influence, left here, Lord, to share your good news, left here, Lord, to demonstrate that good news in the way that we interact with people especially each other, Lord, and the love that we show, that you said that all would know that we are your disciples. So God, as we walk out the rest of this day, let us walk it out, Lord, with your love in our hearts and your grace toward others, just like you had your grace, amazing grace toward us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Okay, well, let me change over my screen here. I got uh, half the screen to something else. Okay, so uh, I was thinking about uh, this weekend and, and what the Lord, uh, prayerfully asking him what he would want me to uh, share with everybody. And one of the things that uh, I, I think we would all like to see uh, in all of our lives, in ourselves, in other people, is this thing called patience. Uh, how much of the stress that we're all dealing with could we let go of if we could just get a hold of some more patience in our hearts and in our lives? And other people could just get a hold of some more patience, uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt being a little more chill in the world that we're living in. Um, I could easily say why we should be patient with others uh, because God is patient with us. And Jesus said, what measure you give, it will be measured to you. <laughs> um, or to say it another way, uh, let's, let's look at it this way. What if God had your patience 
when it came to dealing with you and the same with me, right? <laughs> so now that we're all sufficiently convicted, um, let me show you something in God's incredible word this morning, because God's way is not about making us feel guilty so that we do better. Uh, that's legalism. That's, that's not the way he works. God is all about us being renewed from the inside, isn't he? Renewed by his love, renewed by his promises, renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So grab your Bible or your Bible app and want to go back to the oldest book of the Bible this morning. No, not Genesis. Uh, the book of Job. Genesis gives us the account of creation, uh, but most scholars believe that the book of Job was actually written before Genesis was um, in authorship. And as we're turning, the King James Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, you're all familiar with the love chapter, right? Uh, instead of saying love is patient, it says lo love suffers long. How's that for a definition of patience? Love suffers long. Patience then is the ability to handle some kind of unpleasantness or adversity for a long period of time. And if anyone knows about long suffering, it's Job, isn't it? If you remember the account, in the book of Job, in one day, in one day, he lost his vast wealth, his flocks, his herds, all gone to bandits. And then, no sooner had that happened, the same day, all 10 of his children die in a, as a tornado or something, microburst or something, hits the house, collapses on all of them, and they all die at once. And if that wasn't bad enough, as he's grieving for all of that, um, he is literally then covered from head to toe with very painful boils. How many of our problems just got a little bit smaller? Amen. Uh, in Job chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 8, he says this. He says, oh, that I might have my request. And that God would fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. This would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain unsparing, for I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What's he saying? He's saying, I wish my hope is, God, would you just finish the job? Would you just finish the job? And, and, and crush me and just kill me, right? Or would you just let go of me and let me die, right? Job is hurting incredibly, isn't he? And, and he's saying, I would jump for joy to be able to just die now with the consolation that in all of this pain, I have not denied the Lord. That would be my comfort. That would be my consolation. So please, God, Please, just let me die. That's a tough spot, isn't it? Intense emotional pain, intense physical pain. And in the midst of that, 
Job asks two very important questions I want to look at this morning. He says this, what is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? First question, what is my strength that I should wait? In other words, where do I get the strength that I need while I am in this period of suffering? One of the first things that you and I see in the creation story is this, that we were created to be in a relationship with God. Genesis 1:26. then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In those very words, we see that God intended to be able to communicate and to have fellowship with these beings that he made to be like himself, right? So we were created for that relationship. And in the beautiful garden and beyond, as we look through the scriptures, God has shown himself over and over again to be the provider of all of our needs as human beings. The psalmist in his hymn of worship uh, in Psalm 73, 26, he says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You and I were not made as any human being. We were not made to bear the stresses of this life alone. Did you realize that? I, I, countless times people say to me, I'm trying to be so strong. And though that's admirable, um, they're trying most times to do it in their own strength. They're trying to make God proud of them. They're trying to make other people proud of them. And they're not seeing this principle of scripture that we were not designed to handle it on our own. We were designed to be in a living, um, all the time interactive relationship with God who supplies what we need. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things on my own, right? No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we were made to draw strength from the Lord. How do we do that? Well, one way comes from our knowledge of him. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Know therefore. God is faithful. He is a covenant keeper. His love is steadfast. It doesn't go up and down and up and down and up and down, depending if you're a good boy or a good girl or not or whatever. His love is steadfast. It is sure, right? When you and I know who God is, when we know his nature, when we know his character, we draw strength, don't we? As we trust in him to be who he is in our lives. Amen. So, so we draw strength from our knowledge of God. Um, another way uh, that's connected to that, we draw strength through our experience with God, don't we? 
One of my favorite passages uh, of scripture comes from 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, beginning of verse 3, says, And when David and his men came to the city, their city, the city of Ziklag, they found it burned with fire. They had been out, uh, David and his and his mighty men, they were out, they came back to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Can you imagine? Uh, you probably know someone in the community, maybe know someone personally whose house is burned to the ground. You, you, maybe it's happened to you. Um, but you know that, um, that, that sense of loss, that sense of grief. Well, here they come back. The whole city is burned to the ground. Their wives and their kids taken captive. There's no one left. They have been dealt this huge, huge uh, blow of loss and grief. They weep till they can weep no more. And, and it goes on to say, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. So on top of everything else, you've got hurting people looking for someone to blame. While David himself is grieving his own loss, now they want to kill him. So imagine where David is in all of this emotionally. He's not some superhero. He's a regular person like us. Intense pain, suffering, right? And then the Bible says this. I love this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does that mean? What was he doing? He was recounting the time when as a shepherd boy, he's watching over his sheep and a lion comes and steals the sheep. And, and he doesn't know that he calls upon the Lord and the spirit of God comes on him and he chases down this lion and he tears it apart and rescues the sheep from his mouth. He's like, wow, you know. Yeah, God did that. Same thing happened when the bear came and tried to steal a sheep. The Spirit of God came on him. Same thing happened when he faced this giant Goliath, nine foot tall, who had a spear that weighed more than David did, right? And he's, and he's in this, this place of battle, and God comes, and he helps him. Over and over and over, God helped David. God came to David's aid. So what's David doing? He's recounting all these times. God did this, and God did this, and God did this. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. So we find strength as we, as we recount our experience with God and just how faithful uh, that he is. But for those of us who have trusted in Christ, it goes still deeper. Something that David didn't have, something that, that the Old Testament folks didn't have. John 14, uh, 15 to 17, Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The helper, the Greek word parakletos, refers to one who comes to another's aid, giving help and support in time of need. 
right? The Holy Spirit whom God sends to literally live inside of us. I keep going back to that that pitcher illustration in church. Remember when I poured the Kool-Aid in the pitcher? The inside of the pitcher changed. It became something else. We are uh, now, uh, as Paul said to the Corinthian church, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? He lives, the literal presence of the Lord lives inside these bodies of ours. I can't really explain all how that happens. It's a mystery. I'm okay with mysteries, but it is. Our human spirit, the Holy Spirit together, his presence as close as our very selves, right? So going back to Job's question, where do I get the strength that I need to wait, to be patient, to endure unpleasant circumstances and adversity? We get that strength from the Lord, from our knowledge of him that comes from the revelation of of his word, uh, from our experience of his faithfulness in our lives, and from his very presence in us, helping us, strengthening us, right, as we walk through this world. Job's second question, he says this, and what is my end that I should be patient? You know, a lot of times the final result has a lot to do with how patient we are, doesn't it? Um, why is it that a person can throw a fit because there's only one checkout open at Walmart and they're sixth in line, right? And that same person can pitch a tent on the sidewalk and wait in line for two days to get in that same Walmart the day after Thanksgiving because of the deals that they're going to get, right? Same thing, same store, two different rewards, right? So we can be a lot more patient if we know what the end is all about, what that patience is going to bring. So what is our end for motivating us in our patience? Romans 8.28, right? We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So first of all, our end is the promise of this faithful God that we've been talking about. The promise that he is going to work this for good. And as you and I read the Bible, as we know the character and nature of God, God likes to reward things like patience, doesn't he? So the longer that we're in it, the more patient that we are, the more that we um, conduct ourselves in a Christ-like manner and um, not give evil for evil, but overcome evil with good and, and not talk people down in the midst of the tough situation, but show kindness and grace as we're waiting, as we're being patient. All of that stuff, um, God's going to reward, isn't he? And he promises that this, this difficult, frustrating um, pandemic, you know, 2020, uh, this whole thing, uh, God is going to work for good 
in our lives. There is good coming. That is the promise from God himself. Amen. So we have the promise of good in the here and now. But also, um, looking even farther out, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18 says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Not only good in our lives now, but God promises something for us in all that we have to go through here. God is promising something to us, countering that and a weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. And, you know, there are things that we face in this earth that are tough, right? Look, think of Job. Think of Job. Think of where David was. Um, and by the way, uh, God told David to go and, and go after the Amalekites and they caught them and they brought everything back. Um, they had to rebuild the city, but just just as an add-on there. Um, but just think of some of the difficult situations, the losses that we've had to suffer, the physical things that we've had to endure. Um, there, you know, a lot of really, really difficult hardships that we face in this life, let alone this, this pandemic and craziness that we're all going through now that we're all sharing together. There have been just some horrific, horrific things. And those horrific things, if we contrast them with what God is promising to us, Paul says they are going to seem, believe it or not, with all love and compassion, believe it or not, they're going to seem like light momentary afflictions. Because in all the frustration and the aggravation and the tears and the pain and the loss, that is all, in the grand scheme of things, temporary. But what God is promising to us, that eternal weight of glory, is not only so much greater, but it's permanent. It's eternal. It's ongoing. It is an eternal weight of glory that goes on and on and on. The joy, the peace, the, the, the laughter, the, the, you know, just incredible, incredible beyond our imagination. Amen. That is our end. That is what you and I have to look forward to. So what in, in everything that you and I face, what is our strength to be patient? What is our end to wait patiently, to uh, conduct ourselves in tough situations with ease, with calm, with, with decisions to act kindly and graciously toward others? What is, what is it? Where do we get what we need? We get it from God's presence. We get it from God's power and we get it from God's promises. 
He is there for us. Amen. So you and I have a boatload of strength that we can tap into. It's not ours. Remember, remember Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul had to face his own limitation before he was able to reach into God's inexhaustible supply. Paul says, God, take this from me. Take me out of this situation. God says, no, bring me into the situation because my power is made perfect in your weakness. I think sometimes, church, we, we, we got to wave, wave the right white flag a lot sooner, right? So that we can get beyond ourselves and tap into what God has for us. So that we can endure even with a sense of joy and peace that passes all understanding. That's what God has for you and me. So, are we going to face irritations? Yes. Frustrations? Yes. Pain? Yes. Loss? Yes. Grief? Yes. Can we handle it with the patience, with the endurance, with the strength that God will give us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your promises, Lord. Help us in at least um, this pandemic that we all want over, you know, fast. Uh, help us in the pains that we suffer in the difficulty situations, Lord, that we're going through, help us to reach into your inexhaustible supply for us and realize that provision in a real sense, Lord, to, to, to know it, to experience, so that we can say, like Paul, therefore, I delight in weaknesses and hardship because when I am weak, then am I strong. Help us in that, Lord, for your glory and for your honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.